Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome back to Today's Issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman this week. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson. Also, Steve Jordahl joins us. Good morning slash good afternoon to you, Steve. Good day. Good day. And Ray Pritchard in Kansas City. Ray, tell our listeners about Keep Believing Ministries and uh, what kind of materials they can get at your website and how much it costs to get that information. Well, we start with the last first. It's free. Come to keepbelieving.com. And we have an online repository, uh, sort of a online library of videos, outlines, uh, sermons, FAQs, podcasts, all of it designed to help people understand God's Word because there is a famine in the land of understanding the Word of God, and we want to make it free and easily available for people around the world. And uh, I've been mentioning the last two uh, two days about the studies I'm doing in the book of Galatians. Last night we did A Tale of Two Women. You can watch that video. It's up on the Keep Believing website right now and tonight going to do Freedom Isn't Free from Galatians chapter 5, and <clears throat> we're going to post that also on the website. So anyway, folks, surf on over to keepbelieving.com and check it out. Well, this is a Christian ministry, American Family Association and American Family Radio, and we do have a lot of, we have a lot of preachers working here, first and foremost, but we do have a lot of ministries that are represented on the AFR lineup and Dr. Ray Pritchard is one of those. The gospel is of central importance to this ministry and to the efforts that we are trying to uh, promote in order to bring America back to God. Well, Steve, uh, we do have a yeah. a little bit of a of a uh, parental advisory here and a topic we're going to cover. I'm going to turn it over to you because we have a couple of guests that you'll need to introduce as yeah, well. Yeah, we're going to be talking to a, a good friend of mine and a, a, his co-author, but uh, folks, if you have uh, been wanting to discuss the topic of pornography with your children and introduce it yourself, you might want to uh, tune back in in about 15 minutes. We're certainly not going to get graphic, but there, we are going to address some of that issue. So I'll give you a chance to uh, to do that as, as a family as you decided to do that. But we'd like to welcome to the show uh, my good friend and co- former colleague Daniel Weiss and co-author Joshua uh, Glasser. Is it Glazer or Glasser? It, it's Glazer. Glazer. Uh, authors of A Field Guide for Parents. This is Treading Boldly Through a Pornographic World. I wanted to start here, if I could. Um, did you guys see uh, yesterday, I think it was, a report came out about UNICEF citing or sponsoring a 2020 EU kids study online that claims that there is no conclusive evidence to prove that pornography harms children and therefore any effort to block children from accessing pornography online might infringe on their human rights. It also claims that asking for age verification to access pornography online may deny children access to what it calls vital sexuality education. The world is going crazy. Who wants to take that one? Well, yeah. Thanks, Steve. Uh, great to talk with you again. And I'm familiar with that report. Um, I, I, I learned about it, I think, before it became public because I'm, I'm connected with a group of medical professionals and policy, public policy workers who jumped all over UNICEF. And 
I, I didn't see the story yesterday, but my understanding was UNICEF pulled its report as soon as um, you know the National Center on Sexual Exploitation contacted them and a bunch of other uh, non-governmental organizations from around the world contacted them because it, they're clearly ignoring uh, what we could call at this point mountains of evidence of the harms of pornography to individuals and, and most especially to kids. Yeah. Uh, what age? Uh, give me uh, just briefly, uh, Daniel, thank you for that. Uh, give me uh, just a couple of the harms. What age do kids generally get introduced to pornography and, and what happens when that when that introduction takes place? Well, we we don't. And, and you know me, Steve, for, for many years um, and I'm tight on statistics. There's a lot of research or there's not a lot of research on the average age of exposure. Uh, the last I saw was 14, but that was that was over a decade ago. That number is surely lower now. Um, what we do know that is that by the time they become adults at age 18, over 90% of kids have seen pornography, and so this is an issue that it's it's not um, that it doesn't happen in some families and not others. Kids are being exposed to pornography um, at various ages, and it. It completely shifts their understanding of sexuality, of relationships, of family, um, and and the research again is very clear. Kids that are exposed to porn uh, are less likely to get married, are less likely to want children, are less likely to think faithfulness and monogamy in marriage is a good thing. They're more likely to think bizarre sexual practices are more common, and the list goes on. Mm. Well, um, Joshua, you guys have written a book to help uh, families if this uh, introduction, if this exposure is going to happen. We might uh, want to prepare parents to, as a way to uh, help navigate their kids through this world. Tell me, uh, Joshua, tell me about the book you guys have written. Yeah, sure. Well, for both Daniel and I, we were just hearing from more and more parents who are really feeling intimidated and overwhelmed by the, the challenges of raising kids in a digitally connected, pornography-saturated culture. We are the first generation of parents to raise kids in that kind of environment. And so more often than not, parents are feeling like they are already behind the curve, even when their kids are very, very young. They're, they don't know about how to catch up with what's happening digitally. They don't know what's happening in pornography. At the same time, we truly know that parents, their influence in kids' lives is so important to their kids. And so we really wanted to write a book that was both encouraging and empowering parents to get in the game with their kids, um, because we know the difference that parents can make for, for sons and daughters. Uh, Joshua, l- let me just uh, ask a question here, uh, and it's obviously going to be tongue-in-cheek. Not that there's anything funny about this topic, but you're talking about non-Christian families, right? I mean, you're talking about uh, non-Christian parents and non-Christian kids, because this is not an issue that affects the church, right? <laughs> yeah, gosh, we, we, we wish it was that simple. It's, it's simply not. And you know, one anecdotal story, when, when my colleagues and I in our ministry were, were beginning to do some research and dive into how we might equip parents, one of them was just chatting with a friend and, and was really sharing a, uh, a report she'd heard of, of even eight-year-olds accessing pornography. And her friend was like, no, no, that's, there's, there's no way. She went home, but that friend went home and, and just out of curiosity picked up her eight-year-old tablet. And sure enough, she found porn on the tablet. Um, so there really is a wake-up call. I mean, one of the things that Daniel said all along in this process is, you know, you, 
you can trust your parenting, but you can't trust pornographers to respect the boundaries you put up in your house. And with the, with the prevalence of digital technology in all the places, I mean, most parents are surprised at the number of places that their kids can access porn. So we just, it's not a matter of, are, are you a good parent or not? It's not a matter of, is Christ in your home or not? It's really a matter of, is the culture and our pornographers going to respect the boundaries that we've set up in your home? And we can't trust them to do that. <laughs> We're talking with Daniel Weiss and Joshua Glazer, authors of A Field Guide for Parents Treading Boldly Through a Pornographic World. Fred? Yeah, one of the things that uh, that we've done stories on in the news service here is, uh, and we you mentioned the name, what, eight years old? Kids as young as eight are now have accessibility. And what role do cell phones play in this? Because I'm just seeing more and more kids even in my neighborhood, they all have moms and dads are buying them cell phones. And I know moms and dads are doing it so that the kids can stay in, in contact with mom and dad at work. And I understand that. But what do you do as a parent? You want your kid to have a cell phone for security reasons, whatever the case may be. Are there protections? Are there filters in place that you can put on that cell phone so that the kids cannot get either by accident or by design, be exposed to this. Yeah, Daniel, why yeah, don't you share that illustration you shared with me this morning? Uh, well, uh, first I wanted to say this. I mean, it's not just cell phones. It's certainly an issue where kids at younger ages are getting them, but kids at ages three and four are getting tablets, which have the same uh, capacity for getting online and getting in trouble. So, I think there's a, the technology revolution is really a big part of this um, because it's made the Internet so accessible. Uh, and, and so if it's accessible, we know that pornographers are putting their, their information and their material out where, where anyone can find it or stumble across it. But, but the other thing to think about here is, um, you know, a little bit like we're living in a culture that's very unhealthy with regards to sexuality. And so it's a little bit like living in a factory town where the smoke is just churning out. And you notice your kids are, everyone's coughing all the time. I mean, this is kind of the, the culture, the climate we live in, where we're just absorbing these messages everywhere. And so I think for parents, whether it's with cell phone use um, or you know computer use or tablets, one of the things that medical science is discovering is that when, when an infectious disease comes in, the way to treat that, um, you know, there's difference of opinion, but often the best treatment is to not just to attack the, the virus, but to strengthen the, the body's immunity to fight it off. And that's really one of the things we explore in detail in our book is how can parents and, and families strengthen their kids' resilience to the pornography and the culture and the pornography they may have been exposed to on their tablets or devices. And, and that is, that is a, a primary job of parents. It's, it's an honorable, noble responsibility. It's a very godly one. And, and there are some practical steps, uh, you know, for, t- for taking kids through that. Hmm. Ray? We're talking with <clears throat> Daniel Weiss and Joshua Glazer. Together they wrote Treading Boldly Through a Pornographic World. I repeat that because it's a brand-new book out from Salem, Salem Books, This is the kind of books, mom, dad, grandparents, you need to get a copy of this because your kids are facing this problem right now. And just at the end there, 
Daniel, you, you alluded to some practical steps. Let me just give you a scenario. We've got parents and they've got preteens, let's say, and they think, they think that the preteens are beginning to be exposed to or dabbling in or involved in pornography. Sketch out two or three first steps you think parents should do. And are there some don'ts that you would say don't respond this way? Just give us a few practical steps our listeners could take. Yeah, I'm going to kick that over question. to Josh because he, he articulates that. Yeah, I think I think so. A couple things. First of all, we with as much as which as many don'ts as we we have. You know, we don't want our kids to be exposed to pornography. We don't want our kids to be sexually experimenting. We don't want our kids to believe some of the sexual ideology and the culture. But by and large, we really want to lay a foundation for our kids about what we are for. What is what does Christ teach us, and what does Christ have for us in the area of sex, relationships, desire, marriage, gender, all those things. So the conversation for parents really has to begin there. So if you're dealing with preteens and you've never begun having this kind of conversation with your kids, it's not too late. Now's the time. Talk to your kids about God's design, and we want to lay that out. We lay some practical out for that in the book. Um, but assuming you've done that, from there, it, it's as simple as going to your kids, and you can even you can even blame us and say, hey, I was listening to this radio show today, and these couple of guys were talking, and they, they said pornography is a big issue. What's happening for you? I mean, is that something that you've been exposed to? Is that something your friends have been exposed to? Just get the conversation going. And one of the things we really urge parents to do here is we want to lay aside the old idea that you have one talk about this. Don't have the porn talk. Get that out of your head. What you want to do is, is you want to frame this stuff up in your relationship with your sons and daughters. This is a normal part of your relationship with them. Just as you remind them every night at dinner to use their manners, just as you ask they brush their teeth over and over again, just as you ask they do their homework, it's a regular part of what you do. You also have conversations about God's heart for sexuality and how your kids are doing in this area of their lives. Because if, you, if, if you're not doing that, if you're not having those regular conversations, two things are going to happen. Number one, the questions, the, the honest, sincere, good questions that are rising up in them in relation to what's happening around them, what's happening in their bodies, they're going to bring those questions somewhere else. And the number one place they're going to bring it is online. And however equipped you feel as a parent, we guarantee you you're going to do a better job helping your son or daughter than what they're going to find online. The second thing that's going to happen if you're not, having this kind of, if you're, if you're not approaching it that way is uh, your, your son or daughter is going to, is going to be swept into the, the way of the culture. But you having multiple conversations, just making it a part of your relationship with them, it, it gives breathing room for both you and your kids. So you're going to grow in this. You're going to figure out you know, their language. You're going to get a better sense of, of, of how to talk about this with them. So you're going to be practicing even as you're going to be doing this with, these, with your kids. And again, we go into a lot more detail uh, in, in the book. But um, that's just those are a couple starter points, I think, that are really universal. Hey, Daniel, is there a website that's associated with this book people can go to? Yeah, we've got a, a landing page, a launch page. It's called treadingboldly.com. And people can find more information about the book and how to order it. Uh, it's treadingboldly.com. I sure uh, encourage families and parents to go there and do this. Uh, Daniel Weiss, Joshua Glazer, thanks so much for joining us today. It's good to catch up with you, Daniel. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on today. You bet. Yeah, thanks right. for having us. Bye. Thank you, guys. Um, wow, that, that's, uh, Steve, quite a, uh, quite a topic. Um, you know, AFA, American Family Association, was really birthed out of a concern for two main subjects. Uh, one was television, what was on television. The other was pornography. 
and AFA has always had a concern for porno- uh, a concern about the spread of pornography and its effect mm-hmm. on people. It's we've had articles in the you know the American Family Association Journal, so on and so forth. So those two things, uh, television and pornography, are getting closer and closer together. Yeah, a- these absolutely, days. Uh, absolutely, and uh, great questions too, uh, guys. Uh, well done. So. We, uh, who knows, we may have uh, Daniel and Joshua back on some sometime because this is not an issue that's going away. So, yeah, All right, Steve, uh, what else we got uh, on the news front? Well, you might remember or have heard that uh, yesterday was the, or the Monday actually, I should say, was the anniversary of the 100th anniversary of what's known as the um, T- Tulsa, Tulsa Massacre. Sorry, Tulsa Massacre. Sorry about that. Um and uh, President Biden made a trip to Tulsa, and he was talking. Now, you guys, uh, we've been talking about the, the mood in this country. We've been talking about what's been going on in Portland and in Minnesota and in, and in, um, in, in uh, Seattle. But I want you to hear what Joe Biden says is his biggest concern for this country. And uh, you might not be surprised by it, but... Uh, Let me let you hear it. This is cut eight. The joint session of Congress, according to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not Al Qaeda, white supremacists. That's that's just insane. He just said this on the anniversary of now this Tulsa uh, uh, massacre was a terrible event. Uh, you know, a hundred years ago. Yeah, it, it happened in uh, 1921. That's right, hundred hundred years ago. It's a terrible event, but there are lots of terrible events in history. And to make the comments that the president was making, Fred, in the context of uh, memorializing the Tulsa Race Massacre, ties that terrible event to today. Yeah. He he's implying that white supremacists are in existence, I don't doubt that, in this country, but a threat that is so formidable, again, in the context of what happened 100 years ago, that it's the greatest threat to the nation, to the homeland. That is just bizarre. It is delusional, and it is divisive. I wish I could find a stronger word for it, but it it's clearly delusional to say that, that that's the greatest in the midst of, we just had two, uh, two strikes on by cyber terrorists on this country, the Colonial Pipeline, and well, and then the, the it affects our country on the uh, the packing plant, and and we are facing possibly more of those kinds of uh, threats that could cripple our country. And he he says white supremacists are the greatest threat. That's delusional. It is delusional. Uh, it is non factual. Right now, he has politicized the Justice Department to say he he says our intelligence officials tell us this. No, they they've been politicized also. So so let's go back. There is a reason why we have a TSA at our airports today. It's not because of white supremacy. Right. It's because we had Islamic terrorists kill three thousand Americans right. on nine eleven. That threat is still there. It's why we still have TSA. Uh, right. in this country, uh, because we want to stop 9-11 from ever happening again. Our men and women who go fight 
Uh, and the reason we fight in places like Iraq and Iran and and Syria, we watch all of these areas, Afghanistan, is because of Islamic terrorism. Let's be very clear about that. In recent days, we have had mobs attacking Jewish people in this country. It is not white supremacists right. uh, that are doing this. Joe Biden, what he is doing, Gary Bauer mentioned this the other day, the Joe Biden mentioned talking about this on Monday, the white, uh, the anniversary of the Tulsa massacre. What Joe Biden do, is doing is picking at a scab. Now that's very vivid, right? But he's picking at a scab. He that racism that this country has, for the most part. I'm not saying that there aren't individuals who are racist. Yes, there are, and it crosses color lines, skin color lines right. in this country, uh, and. As we see incidents of this, it should be dealt with. Yes. There is no question about that. But to say that it is the greatest threat facing this country is just a bold-faced lie. It, it is. I, I mean, we have people who have political opinions. They don't like Joe Biden. That doesn't make you a white supremacist. Right. We have people that are concerned about Black Lives Matter, the organization. That doesn't make you a white supremacist. We have people that are concerned about Antifa. That doesn't make you a white supremacist. But the left has turned Charlottesville. We've talked about this so many times. They say, look at Donald Trump. He said there were good people on both sides. That's what he said. But he wasn't referring to the people who carried out violence. Right. They were concerned about the tearing down of monuments. Right. That's what Trump was referring to. Uh, as far as, and they keep going back to January 6th, that wasn't white supremacists that did that. There there was a riot on Capitol Hill. There were people, there was a story yesterday that charges were dropped against one individual because it didn't rise to the level the prosecution said to charging anybody right. in that case. But it is a political agenda Anybody who's opposed to the Biden administration, to Democrats, maybe are white supremacists. And it's being weaponized in our military. Right. The new Secretary of Defense has been tasked with weeding out white supremacists. Define for me who you think a white supremacist is. Is it somebody who says, I voted for Trump in 2016 or 2020? That makes you a white supremacist? Or you're suspicious of being a white supremacist? No, this is a... This is, this is a, a political agenda by the Biden administration, and unfortunately, we have a mainstream media. I would have asked Joe Biden, name me five examples where white supremacists are showing up, right, Mr. President. Name me five examples right now. You say it's the late. Okay, name me five examples where you're seeing this. Should, it should be, you should be able to find tons of them if you think it's the, the, the biggest danger being posed to our homeland. Uh, Ray, 30 seconds. Uh, let me ask you this. If the news media has been had been doing its job, they would have called the president and uh, on this statement and asked the question that Fred well, just two asked. things. Number one, where there are genuine white supremacists, and I'm sure there's some out there, we repudiate them completely, yes. right? Yes. I mean, this judging racial superiority on the base of the color of the skin, that's crazy and dangerous, but that is far from America's number one challenge, as Fred eloquently put it, 
the president was just using that to play politics and further divide the American people. Well said. Uh, All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for your input today. Our thanks to Jan Markell, obviously, to Daniel Weiss and Joshua Glazer, and Chris Woodward. Thank you, Brent Creeley. Folks, uh, more great programming directly ahead on American Family Radio. Stay tuned. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow.